0: Welcome back, America. It's here you know what That music means. It is the last radio hour of the weekday, week- and that means the Hillsdale Dialogue. All things Hillsdale available at hillsdale.edu. All of these conversations with Dr. Larry Arn or one of his colleagues today, Dr. Matthew Spaulding, the leader of the Kirby Center in Washington, D.C., are collected at hugh hillsdalecom There's a new Constitution series up, by the way, at hillsdale.edu, and you'll be redirected from Hugh for Hillsdale for a moment to the new Constitution. Series, I want you not to be surprised by that. Uh, Doctor Spalding, good morning, Matt. It's good
1: to have you. Good morning, Hugh. How are you? Good. I, good I've got to
0: got to give you some headlines first. Uh, horrific attack in Egypt this morning. Twenty cops machine gun on a bus in southern Egypt. Philippine terror attack yesterday. Manchester bombing on Monday, and Jeremy Corbyn of the British Labour Party. Has attacked the West for these terrorist incidents, and indeed is getting slammed, according to the Times of London this morning, for politicizing the bombings. What do you make about the bombings and this Marxist crazy attack on the West for causing them?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, look, I think that the 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 fact that the president of the Middle East and making inroads uh, in this battle, I think, is is an immediate push to, uh, for the extremists to hack, attack back more. Uh, this is what happens when you start fighting these uh, these types of battles. Uh, I, I think the, the I I, wasn't, I haven't read the, the details of what exactly the, the guy said career in the West, but that is not at all not at all surprising. That's an extreme version of what the Obama administration's position was in many ways, right? The, the West and its hard line is to blame for uh, what other individuals are doing these are the two worldviews, right One is uh, let's be nice to the world and hope the world is nice to us and uh, we are the we should not be aggressive. we should back away. we should lead from behind if you recall that um, that's clearly what not not what this president is doing. I think that's not what the long tradition of American foreign policy suggested, and there's been a turn. I think this trip represents a turn. Uh, an announced turn in that foreign policy Especially concerning the Middle East
0: It, it is a quite a turn I think that's well and, and truly put Matt uh, uh, Spaulding Earlier today, former Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld was on And he condemned as somewhat rabid Attacks on Donald Trump He thought that uh, comparisons with Watergate Were ridiculous That's a direct quote He was there, he saw it He said there's there no there there yet As the charges of collusion But he also went on to say that, um, sure, the Russians attacked us and that um, that President Trump was, quote, exactly on the mark in criticizing NATO for underfunding defense and that it's utterly Mm -hmm. nonsense for Mm -hmm. attacking uh, for for the attacks of critics saying he should not have done it when they were standing there. What do you make of uh, Rumsfeld's critique of the critics?
1: well i I think he 's absolutely right, especially on the on the the speech to to the NATO allies i mean I mean look I think what what, what the president did he went to these uh, nations, starting by going to the locations of the great revealed religions and then going to NATO It was a, it was a brilliant move, um, and he in each one of those places gave very important remarks showing this turn, uh, but he also went to the NATO very important and he established two things. One is you guys got to get into the fight, and you got to fight terrorism. So he didn't neglect the the alliance. But then he said you got to put up. Um, he's campaigned on that. He's made that very clear. But that's what an alliance is about. It's about obligations and responsibilities. The idea that he called them on that in, in an important speech, I think, is not only legitimate but the right thing to do, and it fits very clearly with his laying out of this idea of of interests on the one hand and a sense of justice on the other. Uh, What what he was laying out there, I think, in all of these speeches is a reviving ideas of of American interest, which some say is unseemly, uh, but combining it with a larger argument about what is right. If you recall in Riyadh, this is a battle between good and evil. Um, So this wasn't merely kind of narrow American interest. He's got a larger view in mind.
0: I believe that the uh, the president's speech in Riyadh is going to be memorable, especially for one line when he appealed to the religious leaders, and and this is what he said: Religious leaders must make this absolutely clear. Barbarism will deliver you no glory. Piety to evil will bring you no dignity. If you choose the path of terror, your life will be empty. Your life will be brief and your soul will be fully condemned. Dr. Spaulding, your soul will be fully condemned, I believe, is going to be defining line because he has moved the terrain of the argument to religious leaders demanding that they make the argument to their fanatical followers that they're going to hell. I don't think we've done this before.
1: (laughs) Uh, We haven't done it very recently, that's for sure. here's, Here's that turn. So on the one hand, um, I, I think that speech was very powerful in the sense that there was a great sense of moderation. It was very presidential. It was um, not the same kind of rhetoric, but he made very clear uh, where he was going, right? Uh, he talks about a friendship. He talks about um, uh, the, the Islamic faith. But right before that quote you gave me, he refers to the crisis of Islamic extremism and the Islamic terror groups it inspires. But then he turns and he uses the religious argument, a a pro-Muslim argument, uh, to show that that's not – he doesn't condemn Islam per se. He doesn't directly go after it, as he's sometimes accused, but he doesn't ignore the problem. He turns it and makes a religious argument against terrorism and appeals to them on religious grounds. That not only was a wonderful, powerful rhetorical move, but I think strategically in turning those tables was extremely important. I think you're right right, to point that passage.
0: And i update the horror of the morning. Twenty-six people have been killed, 35 wounded in the attack on the Coptic Christians in southern Egypt, underscoring what we're talking about here, the importance of the president's trip. Secretary Rumsfeld said one other thing, Matt Spaulding. He said some of the critics of Donald Trump seem rabid. And it does seem to me that every single day, the attempt to turn the Macron handshake into a slight, you know, when he fared off to shake hands with Merkel, which you do first. You, you, you think to yourself, oh, I should shake hands with the longer serving and the woman and then move my way down the line to not ignore anyone. And they tried to make that into a thing. They tried to make it into a thing that he, he, he went to his assigned spot past the, uh, the president of Montenegro. They, they, everything. It's, it is rabid. It's crazy, in fact.
1: No, it's, it's, it, they're looking for every little possible thing, and, and, I, and I think that if this were turned around and this were a different president from a different party, most of this would be ignored. Um, I, I think the, the, the problem is that, that there, there's such disagreement with wh- what he's trying to do and where he wants to go, and they don't want to engage on those at that level. They want to engage on, on this, you know, the facile level, I think, um, and that – isn't going to get them very far. Because there's not much substance to it. And so when he comes back with a speech like he did in Saudi Arabia, uh, which is a serious speech, and I think you'll see the first initial layings out of a what kind of a Trumpian foreign policy argument would be, very similar in interesting ways to, I think, a an argument going back to alluding to your continuing discussion about the Declaration of Independence. There's There's an argument being laid out there about – um uh, america's role in the world about protecting our interests uh, an american interest and yet appealing to our friends on a ground of justice uh, that's a very powerful argument and i don't think they want to engage that because they just can't imagine having a serious conversation with this president in particular uh, about this direction of 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 foreign policy that's being laid out here I i don't think they want to go there they don't want to give him any ground and suggest there's any legitimacy to this presidency, especially in terms of where it might be going in terms of policy.
0: I, I want you to listen to President Obama. We will talk, return to the Declaration of Independence after the break. But this is President, former President Obama in Berlin yesterday, cut number one.
2: And it's not always easy because, for example, I look at something, uh, a place like Syria where, despite our best efforts... And this is something Angela and I worked on a lot. You still have a, a, a vicious war taking place. You still have millions of people displaced, hundreds of thousands killed, and it, it is going to require, I think, uh, everything we can do to recognize that what happens on the other side of the world or in these other countries, whether it's in Africa or Asia or Latin America, that it has an impact on us and that we're going to have to be invested in trying to help those countries uh, achieve peace and prosperity. And as president, I did not always had the tools that i wanted to affect those kinds of changes but at least we tried and part of the goal here is to, if you try long enough eventually uh what president abraham lincoln called the better angels of our nature uh, i think can win up
0: at least we tried matt spalding 30 seconds at least we tried what do you think of that
1: well i i, I think it's, it's an admission of a failure he, he, he's not thinking through the implications of foreign policy that plays out in the world And I think they're going a different direction now, showing that that policy didn't work, especially in the Middle East.
0: When we come back, the Declaration of Independence on Memorial Day Eve with Dr. Matthew Spaulding of Hillsdale College's Kirby Center. All things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. Stay tuned. Welcome back. America. Sue Hewitt just tweeted out Hillsdale College's Memorial Day tribute to those who gave the last full measure of devotion. Available at Hillsdale.edu. I'm talking with Dr. Matthew Spaulding, director of the Kirby Center of Hillsdale College in Washington, D.C. Matt Spaulding, it's wholly appropriate we dive out and finish our conversation, as I've been having with Dr. Yarn about the Declaration of Independence. 4,435 new Americans died in the Revolutionary War. 6,188 were wounded. It is actually the first war of America, the war for American independence, and it had its first uh, people who gave their last full measure right up until today. An American serviceman died in Syria today. That is being reported as we speak. And so from 1775 to May 26, 2017, some people have given their last full measure, and I I appreciate what Hilltale has done here.
1: And George Washington introduced the Purple Heart. He invented it himself during the Revolutionary War, sewing a small piece of fabric onto a soldier's uniform.
0: I did not know that. Uh, Uh, When we left off with Dr. Arn last week, we had gotten to this part, and I want to continue through so people hear the rest of it. About King George, the declaration continued. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy of the head of a civilized nation Mm. that's got a sting
1: that's got a sting well so remember after the battles of Lexington concord george washington moves his troops up to new york he wants to defend after the boston siege but before the before july going into you know june and july august the british have started transporting massive numbers of troops to america Heading towards New York, they're already ships out off of New York, looking at the American troops there, trying to decide whether they're, when they're going to invade. They know something is happening, and the and the British king is sending a bunch of uh, mercenaries, Hessians, the Germans, under pay to help him suppress this rebellion in America. So this is this is the turning point in this this uh, list of things against the king. He's turned on us at the final moment. Uh, he's abdicated government here He's declared us out of his protection and waging war against us that's an important turn here the the american argument is that you know they're not they're not uh, declaring this against parliament the the subject here is the king right he's their last connection through the compacts and he's their last protector but he's done all these things he's failed to protect us and in doing so it's the king who has rebelled um, and and this is the final straw. Right. Uh, there are uh, more he straws. He,
0: he has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. That is, that's pretty tough, too, to, so, to make so that. They're,
1: they're impressing. They're capturing Americans who the British, of course, consider their citizens and impressing them to serve in the, in the British uh, Navy. Uh, but in, in both those passages, look, look at the language here. They make a distinction between the barbarous ages and uh, the head of a civilized nation. And then the one you just quoted, it's about friends and brethren, right? Um, And then further down, it's going to refer to the king himself as becoming a tyrant, uh, a prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant as unfit to be the ruler of a free people. This alludes back to the beginning of the Declaration. We're a people. We are a free people. The British are becoming... uh, barbaric because of their actions they're tyrannical and since the pr- king is not protecting us he is not doing his duty because of our obligations and his obligations to us he himself is taking on the character of a tyrant that's it. That, That's that is I a think leader free people
0: that is the key here is that when you morph from a king, a just form of government into a tyranny, an unjust form of government, the right of revolution uh, it becomes obvious and necessary i'll be right back with Dr. Matthew Spaulding, head of the Kirby Center of Hillsdale College all things Hillsdale collected at hillsdale.edu, including their amazing Memorial Day tribute go and enjoy that. I just tweeted it out Stay tuned America it's the Hugh Hewitt Show Welcome back, America at the end of just a horrific week the man. Chester bombing claiming uh, a score of lives, an attack by Islamic extremists in the Philippines doing the same. And this morning, a massacre of Christian cops in southern Egypt claiming 26 lives. I'm talking with uh, Dr. Matthew Spaulding of Hillsdale, Hillsdale College. He runs the Kirby Center for Hillsdale in Washington, D.C., all things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. And all of our conversations in these Hillsdale Dialogues collected at hugh dot com, And it is appropriate, even though uh, the the news of the day includes the sad, terrible news an American serviceman lost his life today in Syria, that we are talking about the Declaration of Independence because in the first conflict, nearly 5,000 Americans, newly minted Americans, were killed. Uh, in defense of their freedom. And it goes on to this day. Some people lay down their lives and make the ultimate sacrifice. On Monday, I'll be doing our Semper Fi financial show with those who've been wounded in the war. And uh, it's been going on for a long time, Matthew, Spau- Matthew Spaulding. Let me conclude um, the bill of particular against George the Third. He has excited, continued the declaration, domestic insurrections among us. And has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes and conditions. That is another damning. He's gone out and gotten the the, the Indians to attack with ferocity everything about the, the frontier.
1: Right. I mean, like the earlier reference to, to, to mercenaries. Um, and, and, and here the, the, the Americans are, are worried about uh, being attacked around at all sides. Remember, the French were also go to go appeal to the Indians as well to attack the Americans. But the, the underlying uh, distinction here, I think I'd, I'd, I'd point out again, is this reference to them being merciless um, and their known rule of warfare, undistinguished destruction. These are they're, they're making moral distinctions here between civilized uh, ways of life and uncivilized ways of life, and the British, by what they're doing, are getting on the wrong side of this question, and that's what's leading inevitably towards this, this conclusion uh, in this last indictment before they start moving into their conclusion.
0: And the conclusion is three paragraphs long. Here's the first. In every stage of these oppressions, we, the Americans, have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince, whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant, is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. They want it known by the world. They tried.
1: Yes they they've tried it's a humble, repeated injury. Remember earlier they talk about the long train of abuses. Hugh, you' you're a lawyer, so you'll appreciate this, right? This is a it's kind of think of it also as a common law document. There's a preamble. There's a statement of principle, indictment, and now they're driving towards a conclusion. Every stage of this, we've been humble in our terms. We've gone uh, answered only by repeated injury. Remember, there was an olive branch petition right before this, and the kings put out a royal uh, proclamation of rebellion, treating them as traitors, wanting to bring them to justice. The break has been made. This is their conclusion. And then they add this. this. This is a broad, general statement. This is not particular. This applies to anybody at any time. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act, which may define a tyrant. That's as true today as it was then. Yeah. Right, They're unfit they- to be the ruler of a free people. That, that's a clear, clear distinction. And this is the way in which the Declaration, I think, still guides us in our understanding of the world and how we look out in the world in terms of our particular circumstances, but also these broader universal principles that we uphold.
0: It is also a recipe for how to go about establishing legitimacy and revolution. And they include this uh, second penultimate paragraph uh, to, to explain to people how that is. Nor have we, the Americans, been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity. And we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too have been deaf to the voice of justice and consanguinity, we must therefore acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends.
1: Uh, uh, another powerful paragraph. And it, it, in a certain sense, it repeats the charges, right? It's a, it's a summing up. This is the lawyer's summing up of the argument. But there's important, important words here, right? We have warned. We have reminded. We've appealed. But also think about the movement. At the beginning of that paragraph it refers to our British brethren, our brethren, our brothers, right? In the middle of it talks about our common kindred, but they have, these things have fallen deaf to the voice of justice, but also <coughs> consanguinity, blood relationships, right? They have broken, they have severed that tie. We are no longer the same people. We are a different people by their actions, they have severed that tie and they have not he- heard the voice of justice. So now necessity, right, the, 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 the great um, uh, equalizer, if you will, in, in world affairs, necessity drives us to this separation. But now they hold out something else here, a, a very important, again, a universal statement that we can use to guide us today, right? We're going to hold them as the rest of mankind, not our brethren, not our blood relatives, we're going to hold them enemies in war, in peace, friends. First use of that term, friends, in this document. I, I want to go back as well. The we can make between friends and enemies. Very important.
0: Matt, there is, this is one of the more obscure lines, because it, it, it requires that people know a little American history that would have been on the mind of the framers. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. Uh, that is not explicit, but what is the implicit argument of that, Matt Spaulding?
1: Well, remember what they appealed to. So, One of the things they've appealed to are all these compacts and contracts with the king that allowed them to, yes. to establish colonies here. Uh, those were royal contracts. That was their last connection to the king, which is why they're appealing to him and not to parliament. Right? They reminded the king of that. Uh, you should protect us, O king. Um, and he has not done so. So that is, is an important thing that has been severed here, uh, in addition to which, in the early in the Declaration, it refers to how the king has prevented further immigration and further settlement. So that has been broken in an important way. That's the, one of the key things that he, is, that he has um, uh, not continued. And then when you add to that uh, the fact that uh, they, they've, we've appealed to their broader justice magnanimity um, and we've gotten in, in, in uh, just uh, injuries over and over again. this long train of abuses. Right. Yeah. And, and if I um, could make it Aaron's a role. modern, a
0: modern um, uh, uh, translation, we had a deal. We relied upon this. We That's have right. we, we have sacrificed much and many in order to execute our side of the deal. And you have breached your deal.
1: Key thing here. Right. He breached it. We didn't. He breached the deal because he breached it, we have to appeal to other grounds. And those other grounds are are grounds of justice, which points us back to the beginning about, well, we're gonna base our nation, this people, on something different, namely human equality. And we're gonna build a different government appropriate for that people and our understanding of justice.
0: And which also points us back to the beginning, but also leads us to the end, the last uh, uh, paragraph of the Declaration. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions... Do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved and that as free and independent states they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do and for the support of this declaration with a Firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor.
1: Powerful conclusion. Powerful conclusion. Um, lots of things in here we should make note of. Um, first one is, is they begin by appealing to the supreme judge of the world. This is this paragraph includes two more references to to God, supreme judge of the world. The beginning of the paragraph. Yes. And then divine providence. The end. Right. This, this document has references to God as, as the free, three forms of government. You recall he's the laws of nature and nature's God. He's the lawmaker. He's the creator, he endowed with, with rights. He's an executive. And now he's the supreme judge. So he's all three branches of government, and he's divine providence.
0: So <laughs> well put. I, hadn't even, I had not realized that before. They it, made a triune. There. Yeah, how interesting.
1: Um, we also learned that now these people who are separate people are a good people the good people of these colonies. Now, in the middle of that, when you started uh, that these united colonies are, all the way up to ought to be totally dissolved, that in the middle, right, that is actually Richard Henry Lee's motion of June 7th. Oh. That, that is the technical declaration. Everything else written around this document, everything we've been talking about for days, is not the original motion. Everything around that is meant to justify and explain the motion. That, How you know, interesting, Matt. That that. So, so
0: Lee Rosen said that these United Colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states and that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally
1: dissolved. And that that was the motion. Ind- that was it. That was it. He also wow. called for uh, foreign alliances, which leads to the French alliance, and designing a form of government which leads to the Articles of Confederation, but in independence, that was the motion. That's on June seventh. It's passed on July second, and then they spend the next two days debating the Declaration, the document.
0: Why the uh, why the month gap there, or an almost a month gap?
1: Well, remember when he first introduces it in June seventh? There's not the votes. This is where John Adams' great statesmanship comes into play, right? He works it and works it and works it, including convincing Thomas Jefferson to write the thing. Right? Adams refuses. I'm from Massachusetts. Everybody hates me. <laughs> you're, you, you're from Virginia, and you're a great writer, right? He actually writes him a letter to that effect and convinces him to do it. Um, all that maneuvering gets us to being able to pass it on july 2nd
0: when we come back from break we will talk with matt spaulding about the aftermath of the publication of the declaration of independence as we head into the memorial day weekend what a great conversation to be having with the director of the kirby center in washington dc welcome back america it's Hugh hewitt joined by dr matt spaulding director of hillsdale college's kirby center all things hillsdale collected at hillsdale.edu including a new course on the constitution and I just got a wonderful tweet, Matt Spaulding. You're not on Twitter. I can't believe that. But uh, Jim Williams writes, thank you for your weekly Hillsdale interviews, always informative and inspirational. And I replied, they inform and inspire me as well. They're all collected at Hugh for Hillsdale dot com. And I'm never, uh, I never ceases to amaze me, Matt Spaulding, how the American people are hungry for understanding where they came from. It's why the the David McCullough book, 1776, or his Adams biography, or the Hamilton theater theatrical success actually resonates. It's because these these are very courageous people doing very courageous things. Matt, did we lose you?
1: No, I'm still here. You got me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, You're back. Uh, I just, I, as you start studying this, what you realize very quickly is the actual story is better than the the mythical story. It gets better the more you study it, and it's it's a fabulous, fabulous story, uh, starting with that revolution keyed off by this declaration, and it's it's, it's a it's a it's a powerful thing. Um, and just to, to end on, on on the declaration here, the one thing we didn't mention at the very end is is. What they're seeking by being one people is they wanted, as it said at the beginning, a separate and equal station in the world. And they want to do what rights, uh, what states can do by right to, to do in terms of alliances and conducting war if necessary, what independent states may do. They, they want to establish what Washington talks about in the farewell address, the command of our own fortunes. There's a certain beauty in, in commanding our own fortunes of self-governing, of of being the own controllers of our fate. And so not only do we look back historically and find this great story, but it turns out the ends of what we are as a people, what we stand for, are in our beginnings. And people, I think, intuitively realize that once you start getting into the, the motion and the dynamic of the American idea and its argument.
2: Now,
0: uh, the now Matt Spalding. there. Uh, walk us through. The war had already begun. The fighting was already underway when the declaration issues. The breach is made final. But what happens next on the governing side? The Congress is the Continental Congress. What happens to it
1: next? Well, the Continental Congress starts uh, trying to organize the war, which it turns out they're not very good at. Washington is much better at that. He's already in the field. He's already declared independence. He's already at war. We also oftentimes forget that Washington goes to Independence Hall and talks to the Virginia delegation in June, right before his friend Richard Henry Lee introduces the declaration motion. Washington's very much involved. He's going to take over the the, the, ultimate control of the war side. Uh, the, The Continental Congress is now going to start focusing on what do we do about governing ourselves. They've already called on the states to create their own constitutions, independent constitutions. Massachusetts had done that famously before the declaration um, and they're going to do more and more of that and they're going to start thinking about how we govern ourselves and that's ultimately going to become the articles of confederation and
0: how long does it, it take to go from declaration to articles
1: well that that gets very messy because it takes a while to figure out what to do uh, it takes a while to write it and then it, the thing does not get approved until 1781 this becomes a real problem and by default, what happens is George Washington, the, the, the commander of the field with his army, becomes the de facto, but not de jure, head of state. When France wants to uh, start an alliance with America, when we want to open diplomatic relations, do you know who they contact? They don't contact the Continental Congress. They contact George Washington in the field. Huh. It becomes patently obvious who the head of state here is. And that movement, which is why the Washington's role in eventually resigning but also passing the baton, if you will, to the Constitution, becoming the president of the Constitutional Convention, why all of that history, the military-civil relations of the American Revolution, are so interesting and so important.
0: Uh, Matt Spaulding, thank you for spending time with us this morning on a magnificent document. Again, uh, the loss of life in defense of the country began so long ago in 1775. It continues to this very morning with the American servicemen dead in Syria. And all between, as we honor this weekend, uh, men and women have given their utmost on behalf of the country. And there's really no better way to salute them than by talking about that which inspired them in the first place. And recommitting to those very principles. So glad you could join me. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, Matt Spaldy. You
1: too. You too.
0: Thank you. I want to remind everyone uh, prayers for the Coptic Christians. Uh, more than two dozen slaughtered on their way to a monastery for a visit this morning in southern Egypt by Islamists. Pray for the people of the Philippines caught up still in an Islamist attack on a town. Pray in the aftermath of Manchester for the victims and their families, uh, many of whom are still fighting for their lives, in hospital across Great Britain. And stay abreast of all the news throughout the weekend via HughHewitt.com. I'll be joining Brian Williams tonight to talk about all of this and more on on the final hour, uh, the 11th hour at 11 o'clock. I'll be on MSNBC at 2 o'clock today. And on MSNBC over the weekend, uh, we will have up as well, already posted, The audio and transcript of my interview with Secretary Rumsfeld from earlier this morning. I'd encourage you to get out there and spread that around. People need to read that. The rabbit attacks on Donald Trump. The leaks that have got to stop. Much more of that next week on the next Hugh Hewitt show. Thank you.